0: We normally <clears throat> record later in the day, but we're recording in the morning. So this is just what my voice sounds like when I wake up. Um, but I'm also in my bed and I'm drinking coffee right now, so it's it's pretty cozy. I I literally have a homemade hand crocheted shawl wrapped around my shoulders.
1: Well, you for forget the part where you're also chain smoking. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I am every year I become more and more like uh, Selma and Patty from The Simpsons.
1: (laughs) Fun fact, uh, I am a morning person, for those of you who don't know. Uh, So, I'm not. Well, I feel like you may have just gotten up and became functional. Um, I have been up since mm, six something this morning, which is kind of late for me.
0: Uh, No, every morning that I wake up, my body's like, why aren't we dead? And I'm like, I don't know. I I wish we had died in the sleep, too.
1: (laughs) But it didn't happen, and now we got to get up and do all this stuff again.
0: Yeah, I'm one of those people that will, like, lay in bed and be like, I'm not awake, but I'm not asleep. And, like, on the weekends, I can do that for, like, an hour. And I'm just like, I'm not happy about this, but I'm also not moving.
1: (laughs) So I think that you probably have a story to tell me.
0: I do. I was going to say, uh, I have a really good one. It's worth skipping a workout for, in my humble opinion. I am a show. Uh, But first, I think we should tell you that this is All Things Terror, the podcast where two sisters from The Simpsons tell you stories uh, from science history and true crime that are creepy.
1: And sometimes we do it really early in the
0: morning. Hopefully, never again. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna take you to nineteen fifteen. It's we know all about this era. We visit it often. There's lots of people wearing dead birds on their head. People are dying of terrible diseases all the time. Lots of
1: pictures of dead people.
0: Yep. Everything is black and white. (laughs) So a man named Carl Menerich, uh, was born in Vienna. But he arrives in Yonkers, which is New York, and decides that now his name is Frederick Moores. Cool. Go for it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Just totally rational people change their name all the time. Makes sense. Uh, He gets a job as a porter at the German Odd Fellows Home, which... I do not understand. This book calls it, this book that I read calls it, quote, part orphanage and part, okay, I wrote old rakes home, but I don't think rakes is what it meant to be. (laughs) I think maybe old folks. Um,
1: (laughs) So it's where they stick all the young people in old people that nobody wants.
0: Yeah, it is. That's mean.
1: That's a mean thing to do. Well, maybe not. I mean, the kids, I guess, could keep the old people company.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a different time. The kids have jobs, probably. They take care of all the rakes. They rake up poop and leaves and whatever else you can rake up with le- with rakes. Let me just take a little sip of my coffee and try and get my brain oh, going. Let me have a
1: little sip of my morning beer.
0: Yeah, Jennifer's having a morning <laughs> beer. I love this so much. <laughs> but for you, it's really like a noon beer. <laughs> oh- You've been up so long. That is
1: true. My day starts early and ends early, so
0: yeah, you're you're tough. I am not. So Frederick Moore's is not paid a lot, but he's doing caretaking type stuff, which I guess he likes. And on a what I assume is a morning, just like today, it's cold, it's blustery. He's going to the police station, and he walks in, and he's like, look, I straight up murdered eight people. And the police are like, uh, who are you?
1: Like, excuse me, you are not on our serial killer list, sir. You're going to have to take a
0: ticket. Yeah, okay, all right. The cat just, one of my cats' is butthole right in the face. Anyway, so the police look at Frederick Moore's, one, he's wearing, like, an old-school drummer in the uniform, like, traditional corduroy lederhosen type stuff, and they're like, okay. Two, they're like, well, we didn't even know that there were murders, so three, uh, what the hell?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's a fair response.
0: Yeah, right. It's very, like... Like I just picture the cop like hold like looking at a file and this guy comes in's like I murdered eight people, and he like looks around and it's like, I'm sorry, what? Who do you need? Do you need to talk to somebody? Are you talking to me? Oh, you're telling me that you murdered people? Okay, all right. Shit, guess we better deal with this. So, Moore says, "quote They were all in great pain that could not be relieved. There was no chance for them. Also." this is a delightful little tidbit. Also, and remember, this is a quote. They were not pleasant physically or mentally to themselves or anyone else.
1: <laughs> Can we uh, extrapolate that a little bit more?
0: I mean, I feel like that could describe me every morning—not pleasant physically or mentally to myself <laughs> or anyone else.
1: <laughs> what a what a uh, interestingly polite way to be like. Well, they're shitty people, and they look like shit. Yeah,
0: I mean, <laughs> I think the part of, like, they were not pleasant physically or mentally to themselves is, like, damn, that's deep. Like, they had issues to work on, but they weren't going to do it? Okay.
1: <laughs> I, okay, so...
0: <laughs> I
1: Look, I'm not even finished with my beer, and I can't keep it together. So, <laughs> he's like, okay, guys... You look fucking terrible, but then also, like, you are terrible, and you're not just (laughs) terrible outwardly, you're terrible inwardly.
0: Please. It's like the opposite of inner beauty, it's inner decrepitude. (laughs) Yes.
1: He's like, please, let's go see a therapist together, and they're like, no, I want to be rotten and terrible. He goes, you know what, it's probably- All right, time
0: to die. (laughs) It's
1: probably time to take you off this earth. I mean, your suffering is immense, and my suffering is also immense.
0: Yeah, my suffering because you are here. And he didn't even say suffering. He just said, like... Well, he did say they were in great pain. But it seems more like this idea of they're not pleasant physically or mentally is, is really his, his motive here.
1: Mm. Update. I'm now eating fudge and drinking a beer. Damn.
0: Fudge beer in the morning. It is 9.55 yeah. in the morning. <laughs> Listen all things terror, party round the clock. Oh, no, the cats are wrestling. Angry meows, angry meows. If we are um, the police, now they're in this position of like, okay, is Moore's telling the truth or what? Well, so he's telling them the story and then he's like, actually, my boss, whose name is Adam Banger, uh, is the one who told me to kill them.
1: <laughs> so I was just I was just following orders.
0: Right, yeah. And it turns out that Adam Banger uh, had just fired Moores. So is this a motive for lying and framing him? Or Moores said that he came to the cops because he thought that Banger would rat him out first. Uh, And I'm really proud and disappointed in the same time that you have not picked up my deep hints to make fun of the name Banger.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't really pick that up. It wasn't like you were stressing Adam Banger (laughs) enough and there are no pauses (laughs) between Adam and
0: Banger. I mean, do you think, and again, he's a boss so I feel like he walks up to people and he's like, alright guys we've got this problem, let's bang it out and they're like, god, I hate my fucking boss I need a new job.
1: Please tell me he has
0: a daughter. I don't know.
1: Let's say, sure. She's rolling her eyes really hard, and then she, like, puts her headphones back in and plays, like, some... What is, like... What do teenagers listen to right now that's, like, a boy bandish kind of thing?
0: I have no idea. My students talk about music, and I'm like, I'm hip, and then they're like, oh, this is my favorite artist, and I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I've never (laughs) even heard that word. She puts on the local news, and that's what she's listening to. yeah. One of my students said, uh, was talking about J. Cole, and I was like, I do know that one. So she's listening to J. Cole. Okay. Or it's 1914, so she's listening to like ragtime, like, I don't know. No, no, no. I don't know what sound that just was. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Batman's, uh, the Adam West Batman sound.
1: (laughs) I'm not a morning person. (laughs) So, Mr. Banger.
0: Yeah, so here's the evidence that that we get. One orderly... So just to start, Moore's says... I almost said he is accused. He self-accuses himself of <laughs> um, using chloroform to kill them. And chloroform smells sweet, hence that joke. Like, oh, does this smell like chloroform? <laughs> and at the time, chloroform was being used as an anesthetic for surgery. And so... There's one orderly who says he walks into a room where Banger and Moores were chatting. And he's like, it smells weird in here. And Banger starts smoking and Moores opens a window. And that's apparently evidence that they use chloroform and they were working together. But also, like, what else would you do if you were in a room and someone walked in and was like, this smells bad? You'd be like, all right, dude, we'll air it out.
1: It's like, oh. sorry, I just farted. Jesus
0: chill it's 1915 we haven't invented washing hands yet <laughs> so the other witnesses some people said the old the old people were afraid of Moores. the embalmer said that Moores was quote indifferent about the people and if you recall we said that the children would uh have jobs <laughs> that was true there was a quote boy who watches the dispensary So that's a real, like, line on your resume. He said that Moores called the old people useless. (laughs) This is just a really, like, he is, he's not hiding his views very well. No. (laughs) The embalmer, who again, he, this guy likes to talk shit, uh, also said that Moores was sloppy. And then I'm just going to read this section from this book. Um, The book is called... Crimes That Changed Our World by Paul H. Robinson and Sarah M. Robinson. And that's where I got a lot of this information. But so this is a quote from that book. It says, quote, One of the orderlies, an attendant at the hospital, reports to police that he noticed Moores putting Vaseline around a man's mouth. Side note from Emily, gross. (laughs) The orderly asked Moores about this, and Moores explained that the Vaseline would make it easier to shave the dead man's face. The orderly is startled. The man in front of him is alive. Then, sure enough, Death arrives within a few hours.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: Yeah. It, so basically he was overdosing them with chloroform. Um, and one person who examined the body said that it chloroform can cause scarring around the face when you overdose. But I didn't really understand what that meant. And I tried to Google it and I couldn't figure it out. So if you understand what that means, that was happening. If you don't understand what that means like me, we're just going to move on. After the orderly and the Vaseline story, Moores says that he tells the police that he started getting craftier. And he would soak cotton balls in chloroform and then stuff those cotton balls in victims' ears and nose, which is bizarre. One, I did not know that would work, and also horrible.
1: Well, yeah, and um, why? That's so gross.
0: I have a question of why he would do this. So also police find cotton balls and tweezers in his coat. Interesting bit of evidence. Mm. So this is an era in which medicine is basically poison. And by basically, I mean, it totally is. Morphine, opium, arsenic, mercury, they were all like medicine. Like, oh, you have some period cramps? Here, drink some arsenic and whiskey and you'll be fine. And Moore said that he actually, the first person he killed, he killed with arsenic. But as we all know from watching Forensic Files, that's any poison that you ingest is usually not a kind, quick thing. Arsenic would have been really torturous and taken a long time to kill. So that's why Moore switched to chloroform. It's kind of unpredictable, but it's, it's better in that murder sense and also as a medicine sense. So, also, here's a fun little aside. Uh, At the time, there actually was a lot of research on chloroform and how to use it safely. And one of the people who studied it a lot, and if you listen to This Podcast Will Kill You, you will know this name. His name was Jon Snow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Yeah, but he's really famous for figuring out that cholera is waterborne. And that might be its own podcast because it's actually kind of an interesting story. But he first became really famous for researching chloroform. And he was a guy that like didn't drink at all and was just like, I don't like to do anything fun. I just like to work. And so he, (laughs) this is how he studied it. He would dose himself with chloroform. And then like pass out basically and then he would look at the time when he woke up and be like okay so this is this is how it works and prior to that people were just kind of like well I don't know how much is enough chloroform so let's test this out and so people would die or wake up mid-surgery so That's horrifying scary. <laughs> I can you even imagine also I just imagine chloroform is kind of like when you get laughing gas at the Dentist, I don't know if it is or not, but I imagine it like that, except you go to sleep. And so, yeah, then just imagine waking up and being like, what's happening? My where is my arm?
1: So I have been under anesthesia uh, twice yeah. in my life, both times. Well, one, maybe not so necessary, but the second time when I was having my, you know, really messed up wisdom tooth removed, which ended up being a really terrible process in general. Man, I cannot imagine the terror I would wake up with if, like, in the middle of surgery, I just, like, pop awake and there's, like, half of my face, like, hanging out. You know what I mean?
0: It would be insane. I broke my nose and went, I was under anesthesia because they had to essentially, like, re-break it. And waking up in the middle of that as some doctor is, like, shoving his arm into my face, that would have been horrifying. Oh, God. But the weirdest – I've been under twice, and the weirdest thing is I thought, oh, this is going to be like going to sleep. And, like, you know, if you, like, nap, you can tell that time has passed. Yeah. You may not know, but you can tell. But it's not. It was, like, blinking. Like, you close your eyes, and then you open them, and you're somewhere else. Like, it was so weird. I had no sense of time passing. And that's what, that really freaked me out. I was like, I was not expecting that.
1: Yeah, it's super weird. I I do remember one of the times that I went under, there was a moment, I guess I had woken up and then went back to sleep. And that is when I remembered something. But basically I was just like fighting dragons in Skyrim. Yes, I'm that <laughs> much of a nerd, but like- That's awesome. When I was coming to the second time around, like I felt like it was really necessary to tell everybody that I was like, I was like- I, I I was dreaming of dragons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and just imagine waking up in the middle of that, but we, that's not happening anymore thanks to the original Jon Snow, um, who, by the way, did not have glorious hair, unlike Kit Harington. Harrow. At the time, 1915, Yonkers, the medical examiner is literally drunk AF and terrible at his job. Um, his name is riordan and i didn't write down his first name because he's a jerk so we only get his last name
1: okay fair enough
0: and he's he's appointed to this position basically because he's friends with somebody he he literally shows up to work drunk if he shows up at all and the police are like hey can you like check out these bodies and tell us if moore's telling the truth and riordan is like listen There is no way to test for chloroform, and it's not toxic anyway. Did you like my drunk voice?
1: Yep, it was good. (laughs) You had lots of practice.
0: Yeah. uh, Also, well, I was going to say I've been watching a lot of drunk history, but also I I just am drunk history all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Riordan has this theory, and interestingly, chloroform for all you future murderers is not a good murder murder weapon because it stays in the tissues for a really long time after death. Apparently, like, in the brains of animals, months and months. And even in 19, like, 14 and 15, they knew this. So, there's this one test that they would do, and I'm just going to read it to you because old-timey science. It's crazy. Quote, in one such test, tissue is ground up, purified with steam, and boiled with lye and benzene. If the syrup side note from emily barf contains chloroform it turns yellowish red and glows yellowish green under ultraviolet light they would be able to test this and so riordan is wrong and he's also wrong again because at this time there were published results that chloroform could kill in under a minute so medical people know that this is not true but the police are like okay what do we do like We don't have the internet, and this guy is kind of a drunk idiot, but we don't know how to, like, counter him, and we don't have enough evidence to charge him. So they send Moors to Bellevue. What's Bellevue, Jennifer?
1: It's a magical place where they go and test your (laughs) brain
0: parts. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. It's an infamous insane asylum. I feel like this is true that Arkham Asylum in the Batman universe was based off of Bellevue. Have you heard that?
1: Uh, I have heard that, and that, you know, that might check out, actually.
0: Yeah, it's not a great place, but I will also say, here's a fun little trivia bit. Arkham, that name comes from H.P. Lovecraft. Did you know that?
1: I did not know that part.
0: Yeah, Batman facts. Hashtag. Anyway, so Moore's is there, and the authorities, the doctors, the orderlies, whatever, they say, okay, he's not alright in the head, but he's not, like so crazy that we have to keep him like he can function i guess so they move him to the hudson river valley hospital for the insane which is in poughkeepsie which is a delightful thing to say i was very (laughs) excited to be able to say poughkeepsie and then quoth in may of 1915 moore strolls out of the asylum he is never seen again oh weird i know isn't that crazy I cannot believe that that's when he walks out of the historical record, literally, but it is true. But our story is not over. The people were outraged. This becomes like a really sensational case in New York, New York, 1915, read all about it, extra, extra. Uh, (laughs) Moes kills people, what's happening? And one of the things that people are really mad about is the coroner, Riordan, who's like, whatever, listen, If you think you can do a better job, then go get this job. But I'm fucking on top of it, okay? So he's actually pretty common of the era. At the time, coroners were salaried and they would get commission per body, which what could go wrong? And again, I'm going to read this quote from the book because it's just like, you can't even, you can't even. Um, So quote, corruption is rampant. One assistant coroner repeatedly dumps the same drowned man into the Hudson River to rack up extra money. Among other money-making schemes, some coroners will only return bodies to their families after extracting a promise from them to use certain funeral homes, which in turn give a, gives a kickback to the coroner. Some coroners even issue fake death certificates to those willing to pay, meaning citizens with resources are able to hide suicides, murders, spouse abuse, and abortion. In some... Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. In some states, the coroner impanels the jury, whereas, again, Asseroff? What word was I going for there when I typed? Typical? I think typical, that makes sense. Whereas the typical laborer earns $2 per day, those appointed by a coroner as a juror earn $5 per trial. Some men become professional jurors serving on hundreds of panels. (laughs) So that's insane. So basically, you become a coroner if you just want a cushy job, and you're an unethical friend of the mayor. Cool, 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 cool. This sounds what could go wrong. Um, this is great, lovely. I'm into it. Um, there's also no real school or qualifications at the time. The National Research Council, in a like study from the era, set just like does this. Like, they call the American coroner as, quote, untrained and unskilled individual, popularly elected to an obscure office for a short term with a staff of mediocre ability and inadequate equipment. Burn. Yeah. So, because it's an election, you know, and Teapot Dome, you know, the big machine, vote for this person. It's bad. So, Riordan is fired, the old mayor at the time, he's like, I am all about reform, uh, but he's up for re-election and he loses. And the new mayor is like, all right, we've done away with this election system because obviously it's weird. And uh, so I'm going to appoint someone. And who do you think he appoints?
1: Does it start with an N?
0: <laughs> no, he uh, appoints the same guy, Riordan, the guy that got fired. <laughs> can you even imagine Plutters. this guy's like and i'm back on top <laughs> oh wow so but new yorkers are pissed people are pissed extra extra read all about it daily outrage reward i back on the job i'm doing a lot of voices today and i think i'm doing pretty good considering that i woke up less than an hour ago Some of the people who are particularly pissed are three legit doctors who are like, uh, I applied for that job. I really want to be the coroner. And so the mayor's like, fine, fine, the people have spoken. Fires Jordan, appoints this one doctor, Charles Norris, who is a true hero. Norris makes sure that his staff is medically trained. He's like a teacher. He spends his own money on the job. It's like... Nineteen sixteen, And he's like, listen, we need to be clean, people. Please stop, like, picking your nose and then touching things. Or whatever people did. (laughs) Uh, He develops best practices and publishes them. He joins our pantheon of awesome people with Ed Ray and David Kaczynski.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
0: So this is all good, right? And everything has changed. And now we don't have any problems. Right? Sure. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Totally, because that's how these stories go. Jennifer,
0: if you thought murder and citywide corruption was the most terrifying part of this episode, you are so wrong. So after 13 years, 13 years after this, only 12 other states have adopted the reformed rules that New York passes in 1918. So 1918 is when all this Charles Norris stuff goes down. By 1968, 1968, your parents were alive. A National Research Council Committee on Forensic Pathology releases a report that is like, some counties still cannot afford this. By 2015, only 16 states and Washington, D.C. have a, quote, centralized medical examiner system. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so medical examiners are appointed. They have to be physicians. Coroners are elected, but they don't always have to be doctors. And when we talk about that centralized medical examiner system, medical examiners, again, have to be doctors. They make – I saw this – I read this NPR article that said they make $100,000 annually, which is a good salary, right? Yeah. But if you are a hospital pathologist, you can make $300,000 a year. So – $100,000 Hundred thousand dollars as a doctor is like, oh wow, that poor man. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. I was like, holy shit. So that that was an example of one why nobody wants to be a medical examiner, and two why it's expensive for counties. And I was like, I usually make less than a K twelve teacher. I can't. I cannot wrap my mind around that.
1: Do you want to? Do you want to change your job? Yeah,
0: I want to be a medical examiner. <laughs> You get to be uh, B.D. Wong on Law and Order, right? Isn't he the medical examiner? No, it's the lady with curly hair. You know, I don't remember. You know what? We've got a computer. Computer that shit. This just in. It's Melinda Warner. It is the girl with the curly hair.
1: Yeah, curly hair girl.
0: Yeah. I had no idea that her name was Melinda Warner. Anyway, all right. So, interestingly, speaking about um, the current state of medical examiners versus coroners, um, Marcella Fierro, hmm, a chief medical examiner in Virginia, um, was part of a panel that investigated this nationwide system. And she said, quote, On their best day, if they do not have the training, the skills, the infrastructure, the facility, the access to forensic science, they can't do a good job. It's a question of competency. How can you train someone who is not a physician? And remember, the majority of them are not required to be physicians. Interestingly for you and me, uh, the state where we met, New Mexico, is considered, quote, the gold standard for medical examination offices. New Mexico has 12 forensic pathologists, seven are board certified they have a guy who's a medical doctor with a specialty in forensic pathology, which apparently takes do- like a dozen years of education and training to get up to that part. I don't know. Maybe we need to rethink our medical examiner. We might need to be a, a coroner, <laughs> the one who's not a doctor and does a bad job.
1: <laughs> Whatever. I've got time. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, theoretically, we're just racing the clock on climate change. So here's another interesting quote from this NPR article that's talking about this, these different systems. And it's this Zumwalt guy. Uh, He says, it's certainly incredible to think that just the space of a few yards may mean the difference between competent death investigation and incompetent death investigation. But it may be the difference between what side of a state or border you're on. On one side of the border, you have a statewide medical examiner and competent death investigation. The other side of the border may be a small county coroner with few resources and little training. Which, interestingly, is like if you want to be a murderer, I'm giving you so many tips on this episode. Maybe I should say if you want to avoid being murdered, you might want to pick a county that doesn't have a great medical examiner infrastructure.
1: I live in a city that has access to resources. Yeah.
0: Do you want to know, Jennifer, you live in Austin, Texas. Do you want to know what will happen if you die suddenly? What, how your death will be investigated? Yes. So Texas has county medical examiners. Good for you.
1: Yay. Yay.
0: I live in El Paso County, Colorado, which guess what we have? <laughs> a
1: really cool coroner? We have a
0: coroner who is elected. <laughs> oh, day! And actually, during the last... I was here for the last local elections, and I voted. And there was the sitting coroner and then there was a guy who's like I want to be coroner instead and that guy was campaigning I there was like picture, there were posters up that were like vote for this guy for coroner and one it was a pretty hip looking poster I have a photo of it uh but two I was like what in the literal fuck why is somebody campaigning to be voted coroner. It was unsettling and I really wanted that poster and I thought about stealing it but I was worried that like I would die. (laughs) So I did not. And he won by the way. I don't remember if I voted for him or not but he won and he's apparently doing a good job. Oh that's good. Does he have a medical background at all? He does and actually um, even though the county I live in uh, just does coroners by elections this county is also certified by the National Association of Medical Examiners, so if I die suddenly, they're going to do a good job, because they're on top of it, even if they're called coroners, not medical examiners. Fair enough. Clint, by the way, the county you live in, Washoe County, Nevada, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, You also have a coroner, but they are not certified, so this is how you die, and I get away with the murder.
1: So when are you going to nevada again
0: well first of all it's pronounced nevada and second of all whenever i can get a good alibi so nobody knows i'm there to murder clint of course
1: first off when are you going to
0: nevada no you terrible <laughs> beast
1: <laughs> and secondly when are you going to nevada
0: uh never i shall will never set foot there again i'm definitely not planning to murder clint
1: that's that's better
0: uh and that is the tale of Frederick Moore's and medical examiners today. And listeners, if you live somewhere that's not where Jennifer or Emily or Clint lives, um, I'll include a link uh to an NPR article that has a map where you can see state by state because the NPR is like, Do you want to sleep tonight? I bet you don't. Here's a scary map you can play around with. That's very kind of them. I know, isn't it? All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever.
1: That is really funny that like those two things are supposed to be evidence of chloroform, and like I don't know why, but like when you're like which is obvious obviously evidence of blah blah blah, like my brain is like, of course, <laughs> it's elementary, where's Watson, yeah,
0: well, apparently, I have not read a uh, original Sherlock Holmes, and this is kind of a tangent, but apparently Watson is like super smart and like suave and cool in the novels and not like the bumbling dum-dum that he's normally portrayed as so i like that you think of well i'll be your watson
1: and it works because you're like an
0: introvert so you're like sherlock holmes and you're like i'm just gonna figure it out from here and i'm like i'm gonna go talk to the people well and i'm also generally dislikable so oh that's not true you're like a cat. You're cute and cuddly, but full of knives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> knife part especially. Come to our meetups, guys. <laughs>
1: Do you want to be able to prove this true? Then come see how grouchy I can really be. Actually, I guess I'm not grouchy. I'm just... You're just... scary.
0: You're just Very introverted. Starry. Um. Anyway. We can talk about ourselves anyway, so. for hours, but that's not what this podcast is. Um,
1: is about Yeah, yet. it's about yet.
0: <laughs> I, should just, I should just start a podcast that's like the All Emily Hour, where Emily just talks and 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 talks, and talks. Uh, mostly about herself. Um, yeah. Anyway, so...